Hello, my name is Will, and you're listening to Exploding Helicopter, the podcast that's as painful as stepping on a Lego brick. Now, let's be frank. Hollywood has a truly terrible track record of turning children's toys into films. History is littered with awful examples. In the 80s, we got the horrendous Garbage Pail Kids movie. The 90s gave us the equally awful Cabbage Patch Kids movie. And more recently, we had the board game to blockbuster adaptation of Battleship, all of which stank up cinemas around the world. So you can imagine the scepticism of many people when it was announced that Hollywood was going to make a film out of a plastic brick construction toy. I know, whatever next. But to everyone's surprise, the resulting film was a critical and commercial triumph. So on this show, we're looking at the Lego movie. To help me review the film, I'm joined by a man with an expressionless yellow face. He's suitable for children between the ages of four and seven. It's Nick Rehack from French Toast Sunday. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing very well, Will. Thank you. Well, thank you for joining me for this uh, this very special episode of uh, Exploding Helicopter, because this is the first time that we have tackled uh, an animated movie on the podcast. I'm absolutely humbled and honored. I, I feel like any time there's a special circumstance, I get brought on, and I'm just thankful for the opportunity. <laughs> to be honest, Nick, it, it's it's more to do with the recalcitrant Dara and the fact that uh, you know he will only review and watch films of a of a certain sort of artistic quality. <laughs> so you're saying I have low standards? <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm saying that you're you are more open to the diverse possibilities of, of cinema more open okay. than dara so uh you know okay. you're kind of my, you're kind of my go-to guy when there is you know something perhaps a little bit off the beaten track something that's you know in a, a kind of one of cinematic backwaters or something you know so you're my go-to guy when i need to venture into that type of territory well i appreciate it very much well, as we are talking about the Lego movie, now, obviously, that is a, a hugely popular children's toy. So it made me kind of like wonder, what was your favorite childhood toy? Well, oddly enough, it was Legos. <laughs> I, uh, I was obsessed as a I kid. I haven't paid you to say that. <laughs> no, no, no. You, I mean, as soon as you asked it, I'm like, well, this is an easy one. Um, we had these massive storage tubs just filled with Legos. Uh, we would, at the old house I used to live in, there was this huge concrete patio outside, and my mother would say, you boys need to go play outside. So we would literally get a big blanket, lay it across the patio, get our Legos out, and we would just build and create these worlds and just have an absolute blast. One of my favorite sets that came out was when, like, the initial run of Star Wars figures, when those started coming out. Those were just an absolute delight to play with, especially when you had little Lego lightsabers, and my brother and I would get into battles and duels and just had an absolute ball. Now, obviously, as I say, we are, you know, this is a this is a, a film that is toy turned into movie. So, you know, there's been a few examples of that, as I alluded to in our introduction. So it kind of made me also wonder when I was setting this film up with you to review. Do you have a particular best toy based film? I do. And it's not one that you would expect. I was Ooh. a very, very big fan as a kid of small soldiers. Ah, yeah, it was a 98 film that came out. Uh, I think Joe Dante directed it. He definitely but, directed it. 
it wasn't one of those like typical, you know, uh, we're going to take G.I. Joe and make them a thing or Transformers make them a thing. They were kind of like their own little – I mean they were kind of based on G.I. Joe, sure, but it was its very own thing just for the film. And I, it might have been the animation style. I don't know what it was, but it just like grabbed my attention. And for some reason, I have this weird fascination with Kevin Dunn, and anytime he's in something, <laughs> I'm just there. I'm for it. Ah. Well, you know what, Nick? How would you like to review Small Soldiers for the Exploding Helicopter podcast? Um, you just give me the date and I'm there. Well, because I don't know how well you remember the movie, but that film does have an exploding toy helicopter in it. It unfortunately has been some time since I've seen it. Um, but as soon as you said a toy-based film, I'm like, oh, I know exactly. You know, forget Toy Story. That's the obvious one, right? And the name Small Soldiers is where I was. I Again, I don't know what it is about the movie, but I find myself constantly going to that as a kid and watching it. I, almost as much as I would watch Godzilla movies. Mm. Well, I think we're going to book ourselves in for a review of that film because uh, it is one that uh, I have been meaning to get around to reviewing. So uh, I think we've just bumped that up the uh, the list of films to tackle. Absolutely excited. OK, I think it's time to get stuck into the Lego movie. So where's the trailer when you need it? Good morning, apartment. Ready to start the day. Jumping jacks. Hit them. One. Two, three, I am so pumped up! Yes! Overpriced coffee. That's $37. Awesome! Everything is awesome. Oh my gosh, I love this song! Everything is awesome. Ah, no! Guys, wait up! Where am I? Come with me if you want to not die. What is happening? And the prophecy states that you're the most important person in the universe. That's you, right? Uh, yes. That's me. Relax, everybody. I'm here. Emmett is an everyday generic Lego construction worker. He lives in a world where every day is identical and everything operates like clockwork. Everyone follows the instructions of their overly chirpy leader, President Business, watches the latest episode of a repetitive sitcom and joins in a daily sing-along of Everything is Awesome. But all is not as it seems. President Business is actually the evil Lord Business who has grown tired of the rogue band of rebels that like to construct Lego in their own more interesting way. Business plots to end the plastic brick universe as we know it by unleashing an ancient relic, the Craggle, to cement all the Lego blocks in place permanently. The only thing that can stop this evil OCD plan is the piece of resistance that a prophesied special one will pick up, and that someone turns out to be Emmett. The Lego movie came out in 2014. It was directed by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller and features the vocal talents of Chris Pratt, Elizabeth Banks, Morgan Freeman, Liam Neeson and countless others. The film has a 7.7 rating on IMDb and an 87% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes. But uh, let's find out what my guest thought. So, uh, Nick, what did you make of the Lego movie? Well, as you can guess from my childhood, I absolutely loved this movie. Um, 
it was so nostalgic for me. It was so perfect for me. I think they really nailed down the idea of just a kid being creative and using their imagination and creating this world and using elements from different Lego sets in order to create something new and fantastical. Um, I can remember taking a lot of like the King Arthur sets and the pirate sets and combining them together. And then, like I said, when the Star Wars one came out, I was very excited for that as well. Um, but I just felt like they just nailed it all around, and I was very impressed at just how everything was Lego. The roads, the water, the fire, like they really embodied just everything was Lego. And I felt like that really added something and made something extra special. It wasn't like this ridiculous, you know, CGI or something unbelievable. Like it was just all Lego, and it just felt like as a kid when you would, you know how you would you play with like action figures and create these worlds like cinematically in to you it looks completely different and i felt like this movie just captured it perfectly well i'm glad you enjoyed it nick but i'm afraid i have to say <laughs> i really hated this movie i can't i can't hide that i'm just gonna have to get it off my chest um i should probably preface my comments by saying that i have never been a big animation fan i I, I know animation it just doesn't feel like a film to me um you know it feels like a cartoon it feels like uh, as an art form it just feels to me like something that is just secondary to, to to movie making now i know that's not particularly fair but that's just you know i'm just explaining my own personal preferences here you know so i kind of think the lego movie was always unlikely to ever appeal to me and you know but i did sit down with an open heart to to, to review this film and to, to enjoy it but uh i i just really i just really hated it nick uh i mean i i hated the style i hated the tone the humor with you know humor is obviously very very personal but the humor here it just left me cold and what? you know i and i kind of it was interesting some of the things that you said here i i do think my lack of familiarity with lego did prove um perhaps a bit of a problem and my i had lego as a kid i you know i don't remember the particular sets that you got and i think within this movie they're very clearly sort of playing on classic lego sets here that, that turn up within the film i mean you've mentioned a couple of them like the pirate stuff i mean that's something that i've become aware of since watching it it's not something that i brought to the table so i think it this film just didn't appeal to my particular tastes and some of it just you know just went past me because i'm not really that into lego I, you know what? I think that's fair. I think some of this film, it's obviously it's geared towards kids because kids are usually who plays with Lego the most. But I think it's a, it's fair to say that it's not for everybody just because of how hard it's going to play on certain nostalgia. But I'm, I'm surprised. Like none of the humor, man. Like you didn't find anything in this movie funny. I, I don't remember i don't remember laughing i well i definitely didn't laugh i think i what? i think i not even a chuckle i think i snorted i did half a snort at one line of dialogue um i think it may have been i think it may have been something to do with the millennium falcon when that turned up i think i kind of did half a snort at one of the lines around that particular scene but uh yeah i just didn't find it i mean oh. i'm I, I, I'm I'm quite picky about my comedy. Again, maybe this is just down to my own personal prejudices, my own personal preferences. I am very picky about comedy, but uh, yeah, I just uh, I didn't I didn't find this funny. 
I guess for me, it's just some of the absurdness of it and some of just the over the top, like when he's when they you know make it out of Bricksburg and they get to the Wild West and he's like falling and he screams the whole time. And like even when Emmett hits the ground, like he's still screaming for like several, several seconds. Like it's just the little things like that that just put a smile on my face. Like I maybe because I'm a child at heart. I don't know. But just watching this movie, I didn't realize it came out five years ago. That's that's kind of catching me off guard. But I remember seeing it in theaters. I saw it in theaters three times. Wow. Unintentionally. <laughs> but I saw it like by myself. I saw it with like a bunch of kids. Not my kids, but it wasn't weird because <laughs> – you, you kidnapped them off the street I just and you took yeah. them into the cinema. <laughs> Come hang out with me. I got movie tickets. <laughs> And then uh, another time I went, I went with my cousin. So I met up with my cousin who I hadn't seen in a while, right? And I said, hey, we should go to the movies. And I thought that he said we should go see the 300 sequel, right? Mm -hmm. So we're sitting at the bar, and he's like, why would you want to see the 300 movie? I'm like, I didn't want to see the 300 movie. I thought you did. We had a laugh, decided to go see the Lego movie with a buzz instead, and had a hell of a time just laughing and carrying on. And so it's a good time all around, no matter your state of mind, no matter who you're with. I just – I just nothing like not even like not a full laugh. What about the the parent scene when he's trying to get them to like stand still and and be framed just right? Like nothing of that uh, tickled your fancy. Uh, the the hang on what the what scene the parent the, scene the parent scene uh with uh, good cop and bad cops parents when he's getting them to stand just right in front of the house. Oh uh, no, 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 that did no no. Why is that funny? I, it's because he's trying to get something done, and this old man, they just keep stepping out of frame, and he's just like, "What do you? Come on, just go, get back to it." I, I don't know. It's to me, it's to me, it's funny. There's a, there's a, there's a humor there where he's trying to get something accomplished, and he continues to grow frustrated with the situation, and you can't be mad at him because they're just this wholesome, lovable family, and he's meanwhile he's trying to you know freeze them in place, and it's just. Maybe it's the inflections of Will Ferrell and his vocal performance, but I it makes me chuckle every time. That, I'm interested in the fact that you saw this in cinemas three times, Nick. Uh, you know what was <laughs> you know this is this is a, you know you are you know very obviously an adult, so you know and you're going you're going to watch this film with another adult. You know yes. who 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 is in this cinema with you? Well, the first time it was just me, and I went. Uh, I think it was after work. Or something like that. It was a a viewing where it was just me and like a couple other random people. I really enjoyed it. I happened to be with some friends and we went to see one movie, but it ba uh, we had a bail on it and going up seeing something else and it ended up being a Lego movie. They thought it would be ironic to see it. I'm like, well, actually, I kind of enjoy it. So we went and saw that in 3D actually. And then, like I said, the third time, my cousin and I had a couple beers and then decided to go see it. So I, I'm thinking more about the wider demographic of the of the cinema audience that was in there. Oh, the people that were in there. So, yeah. so the it's, first, it, you know, was it just you and a bunch of kids? The second one was. <laughs> there was a lot of kids because it was like a Saturday afternoon. So there were a lot of yeah. kids there and they had a great time with it. They like behaved really well and they were just like, oh, you know, a lot of like, oh, man, oh, wow. You know, stuff like that. Uh, obviously a lot of laughter, some laughter from me and like no one else mm. for certain scenes, which is very typical of like certain comedies and stuff. So there's definitely a lot of, you know, that quote unquote, you know, humor for parents versus humor for kids kind of things, little winks and nods. But yeah, it, it was a varied, varied group. 
And how was that experience? Because I, it kind of reminds me of, you know, some years ago when I went to see Mean Girls in the cinema because, you know, I, I, I'm interested in teen movies. I've got a massive soft spot for that type of uh, that type of cinema. Now, I went in to watch that film. I was on my own and I went in there, you know, as a grown man. And I was in there with a bunch of essentially teenage girls and you know it was it made it for a distinctly uncomfortable experience because i was very conscious that i'm an adult male in a cinema full of largely teenage girls see that's i i i guess because i i just didn't even think about it i just said <laughs> i'm you know what i'm here to see a movie i'm here to have a good time and laugh and i'm just laughing and i'm and i'm enjoying myself and if someone has a problem with that then they need a little bit more joy in their life because here's it's literally a movie with Lego people. You anybody could do this. You literally just take a picture, move the character a little bit more, take another picture, and put it together. Anybody could have done this, but a big Hollywood studio threw millions of dollars at this and put it together, and it's just pushing whimsy and letting this goodness and wonderment fill the screen. And why not just just laugh at it? It's Legos. We're literally watching Lego people run around and do all these fantastical things. How do you not get lost in that world? Well, for me, it was very easy not to get lost <laughs> in that world. I wanted to exit that world as soon as possible. Mm. I had my, I had all my escape routes planned for uh, <laughs> for my exit from that particular world. But uh, let's uh, let's talk a little bit about the about the animation, I, I guess here. And you know, I will, as I've already said, I'm not a big animation person, so I will, you know, I'm perhaps not. The you know I'm not an expert here to be pontificating on the particular subject, but uh, you know I watched this film and I th I thought it was a pretty ugly film to watch, and uh, you know I felt that the Lego actually limits the imaginative possibilities of, of animation here. I, I I felt that it was a real handicap on on the movie. I mean. I'm, I don't know what your sort of take on on that side of this film is. See, I kind of disagree. I think it I think it helped the film, if anything, find an identity and stay true to itself. I mean, when they talk about scenes where, you know, they're holding hands and you got these little claws like kind of fitting into each other, I that's that's funny to me. You know, they're supposed to you usually you see interlocking fingers or something, but instead it's just these two little pieces just kind of <laughs> touching together. Like, okay, that's goofy. And then just the idea of, like, the water itself is just, like, these blue mm. plates and blue pieces coming up and down. The fire is legitimately little plastic fire pieces that they used to have in the kits. Um, I, the only real thing that you wouldn't normally see is anytime there's, like, lights coming from something. Obviously, they're illuminating versus the other ones where it's just colored plastic. Mm. Um The faces were kind of weird sometimes, but, I mean, they obviously can only animate so much. Uh, with the faces and obviously they have to talk and show communication because it'd be weird to just have like a face staring at you the whole time. But I don't know the, the, the way they would get the lighting on the outfits, especially like Emmett's little reflective visor. It, it just worked for me. I don't know. I was in this world of Lego for an hour and like 40 minutes or however long the movie is. And it, it just it worked for me. It set the film apart. It didn't feel hokey. It didn't feel like I feel like if Mega Bloks did a movie, it would be all CGI and they couldn't pull off what Lego did. <laughs> well, I well, I'm afraid, Nick, that I've got I've got more beef with this with That's this fine. Go with for this it. movie because I also I mean I personally didn't particularly enjoy the animation in this movie, and I also really didn't enjoy the way this film was directed because 
I mean, it was a re- there was relentless fast cutting. I mean, it, it felt like this was a, an animation directed by Michael Bay. I mean, and I kind of just, I my theory was, you know, they just were kept they kept cutting because of the limitations of what they could do animating bits of Lego. So they felt they just needed to keep changing the shot, otherwise things would get. I don't know, visually dull. And I was very quickly, within about sort of 10 minutes of starting this film, I was really irritated by the, by the, by that sort of relentless, fast cutting style. I can see that. I, I think that's a valid argument. Um, but I would also say I think it also gave them a chance to keep it visually appealing instead of letting it get dull. I mean, you could have a tracking shot going on or a side pan or something. And after all, you'd be like, okay. But I think they did some things creatively, like when the train, uh, when the track explodes and the train is going down into the gulch and we kind of take the uh, point of view of like, you know, a, a caboose or something of the train and we see it, you know, careening down. I think that's an interesting shot. I think they took a lot of interesting things and put you in that perspective, which allowed you to be deeper into that world instead of from afar looking at it as a set. Um, I, I did find it interesting that there were some scenes that looked a little choppy, like maybe it didn't mm. render as well or they were missing a couple shots. I thought maybe like when I saw it in theaters, like, OK, there's something wrong with the projection. But even watching it on a home release, I'm like, oh, some of those scenes are still there. But I, I can see your point with the uh, the cuts and the edits. I think the shots that they do leave out and let play work. Though, like some of the ones like when, you know, cars are running and exploding and how they just keep piling up a la, uh, what is it, Blues Brothers, when you yeah. just have like those dozens of cop cars just slamming and exploding. Like some of those shots in this film work, but I, I do agree with you. There are a lot of cuts. There are a lot of cuts. And moving on to the message of this film, I I really, I really hated the ending of this film. I really hated the ending of this film. I mean, I, I've got very limited time for Will Ferrell as uh, as an as an actor, and mm. the last thing in this world I want to see is is Will Ferrell <laughs> doing doing dramatic acting. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that's what the Lego Movie gives us, and it just it just hits this. Oh, I mean, it just this lachrymose saccharine like i mean it's just i mean it's just so it's just so bloody obvious as a kind of final sign-off message i mean it just uh you know i didn't particularly enjoy this film but i i i i you know i tried to put my shoes in in i tried to put myself in the shoes of somebody who did enjoy this film and i just thought you know what? I, I can't imagine even people who like this film are really going to be too hot on this ending. I remember when they first cut to people being a little surprised um, and thinking like, oh, OK, I didn't know that we were going to be getting into mm. this. And I think the ending is a little ham fisted. I, I tend to like Will Ferrell a little bit more. Um, so I'll do, I like I really enjoyed <laughs> Stranger Than Fiction. So you and I will agree to disagree. But I think I think there's two messages to take away. I think for the kids, it's, you know, don't be afraid to be yourself and let your creativity flow. And, you know, don't feel like you have to conform and follow the rules. It's okay to be a little bit different. But I also think it's also a nod to the older parents and stuff. Be like, hey, they're just toys. 
You know what I mean? Like you don't have to take everything in this world so seriously. Everything doesn't have to be so perfect. It's okay to leave room for a little creativity to blend, to mix things together. But I will agree that it is a bit ham-fisted and in your face. I think well, I'm glad we can agree on that. <laughs> okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be looking at the exploding helicopter action. Hello, you lot. I'm Daryl. And I'm Ben. And we're Sudden Double D, the Triple Bill title podcast. Each fortnight, we watch three films linked by a word in the title. For example, Sudden Impact, Double Impact and Deep Impact. Or Young Frankenstein, Young Guns and While We're Young. Or Four Flies on Grey Velvet, Blue Velvet and Velvet Goldmine. You get the idea. If you're into finding links between weird triple bills, taking pot shots at terrible movies, and listening to two film fanatics bicker, then we've the show for you. Search for Sudden Double Deep on iTunes, Stitcher, and all good podcatchers, and find us on Twitter at SDD Film Podcast. That's SDD Film Podcast. Uh, thank you very much. We're back, and now we're looking at the exploding helicopter action. The chopper fireball occurs when Emmett is pursued by Bad Cop's police squadron, making for what appears to be the edge of their world, a big wall. It seems there's nowhere to escape. But wait, a gateway appears just at the right time for the escapees to speed through. It quickly closes with the pursuing car smashing into the wall. A moment later, a police helicopter crashes into the wall before falling on top of the cars, causing a smattering of flaming wreckage. Nick, what did you make of the uh, exploding helicopter action? I was excited but underwhelmed. Um, I was excited <laughs> because rarely do you get an exploding helicopter so early in a film. I feel like for the most part when I watch some of the films that, you know, for this uh, program in order to recommend them, or just in general, you tend to get them towards the climax of mm. the film. It's a big set piece. It tends to explode. It's They're putting a little bit more money into it, so they're definitely going to save it for later. Whereas this, we get it, I think, right up front, about like 15, 20 minutes in. Um, yeah. But then I felt a little underwhelmed because it just kind of lights on fire. It hits this wall, falls down, and then everything bursts into flames, which, okay – but I kind of want a little bit more. What exactly? I don't know. I don't know if that means parts and pieces are going to go flying everywhere. I'm not sure exactly what more I would have wanted. I just know I wanted more from it. Well, I agree with you. And I think in terms of what more I would have wanted from it, I would have wanted to have seen the the bricks you know, shatter outwards in a kind of plume of uh, exploding uh, plastic. That's, I think that I would have liked to have seen that. I think in terms of, uh, in terms of the exploding uh, helicopter action in in this. But uh, yeah, I would agree. It, it, this is somewhat underwhelming, and perhaps it's the perhaps it's the limitations of uh, of Lego as a medium, which is is behind the uh, the fact that uh, you know we don't get to see sadly a better exploding helicopter. And I really thought we would get one, too, especially for the last, I guess, 20 minutes or so, 15, 20 minutes or so of the film where there's the big, you know, city mm. invasion. I thought we'd see a lot more of that, um, but we don't. And it's a little disappointing. However, this scene does lead into one of my favorite moments of the film. Obviously, Bad Cop arrives and he's really mad. And one of his crony brings over a chair for him to kick around and <laughs> – this other guy sees what's going on and he runs off into the distance and he happens to throw it just right and it nails him in the distance and 
I don't know. It's just it's one of those almost like uh, Bugs Bunny and Road or not Bugs Bunny Roadrunner, uh, Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner, mm. or even Bugs Bunny when he stepped in for that one random episode and Wiley Coyote. Like it just seems like so random and one off and absurd. Like I just I love something like that. Well, this is the first film that we have uh, reviewed on the Exploding Helicopter podcast that uh, is an animation that features uh, a a chopper fireball. But uh, it's not actually the uh, first animated film to uh, uh, to include an exploding helicopter. There have been some uh, some previous examples uh, in the past, Nick. I don't know if you are aware of them already. I'm not, but if I had to guess, I feel like maybe Fritz the Cat had like a weird Vietnam flashback and there was an explosion there or something. <laughs> I, gotcha. I hadn't thought of that. I might have to go and uh, I might have to go and investigate because, uh, you know, if that is uh, if that is, a, if that is a, a memory that you actually trust and believe in. Then uh, I definitely need to uh, to to uh, explore that. But uh, I mean, it sounds like something that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, if you have you watched uh, The Incredibles, Nick? Oh yeah, a handful of times. Well, I mean that that features uh, an animated uh, exploding helicopter, um, oh, as yeah. does I think it's a DreamWorks. Uh, production um there was uh, an animation from uh, a little while back now called monsters versus aliens which was a sort of pastiche of 1950s uh, sci-fi movies i don't know if you've uh, if that one's been on your radar as well you know i think that's the one with like seth rogan's a blob and then yeah uh, what's her name oh she's blonde she was just in wild sweet home alabama uh, oh oh what is her name? Uh, I know of all the movies. Reese to pull Witherspoon from. is that her? Yes, uh, isn't she the woman that like like that explodes fifth... into like a giant or something? Yeah, she's the sort of the, yeah. the parody of the fifty foot uh, fifty foot. I woman. feel like I saw that once. I, f- I feel like I didn't really see that a whole lot. Maybe like I said once, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised that there was one in there just because like you said it does play on the whole like B monster movie mm. kind of thing. But I mean, I mean, there are other examples. There's, a, there's another children's uh, animation called uh, Storks, which also includes an exploding helicopter. But these are all these are all like uh, American animations, sort of from the last like 10, 15 years. But uh, actually, this uh, you know, exploding helicopters in animations actually has a much longer history, Nick, which I'm sure you really want to hear about right now, don't you? Absolutely. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that, because uh, actually the very earliest uh, animated exploding helicopter in a film that I am aware of that I've discovered is actually from a uh, a Japanese uh, manga adaptation called uh, Golgo 13, The Professional, which uh, came out in 1983. Now, this is uh, a kind of uh, I I think it's all about some sort of uh, assassin who some sort of tale of assassination and stuff. It's uh, apparently it's the third in the series of uh, this man of these mangas and uh, does include a spectacular exploding helicopter where the, the the helicopter plows into the side of a of a skyscraper it kind of goes inside the the sort of the the, the landing of the building or the, the floor of the building before then ultimately uh, ultimately exploding and uh, you know not only is this film the first animation to I- include an exploding helicopter apparently this film is actually the first animation to also include CGI, which was part of that very sequence that I described. So not only exploding helicopter history, but also just sort of movie technique history as well. 
That's I, – I just – as you were saying that, I typed it into YouTube, and you can find the whole movie English dubbed right now on YouTube. I don't, don't worry, Nick. It is on my radar to review, so I may well I may well be dialing you up once again to, to tackle to tackle that film because I think we you know it's one we definitely need to uh, analyze, scrutinize, and you know get it within the canon of the Chopper Fireball. This looks fascinating. As I'm clicking through, there is an awful lot of nudity that I was not expecting. <laughs> you can show well, this on YouTube. Goodness, I'm sorry. Yeah, we better get to it before uh, before some sort of you know takedown notices. Uh, are, Wouldn't I be surprised? Uh, yeah, but uh, you know, in terms of Japanese manga, you know, anime type stuff, you know, have you seen Akira, Nick? I love Akira. I was very fortunate uh, when I was living in New Orleans. They had a big anime style festival, and I was able to catch it on the big screen, and was just blown away by how gorgeous it is. Well, that too features an exploding helicopter and uh you know i think it's interesting obviously uh, i think japanese animation has much more of a a track history of tackling more adult fare so i i wonder if that is what lies behind the fact that they were including exploding helicopters in their animations you know decades before hollywood got round to it i can see that and i think with hollywood especially in america america being you know, I, I hate to say it this way, but more of a, a Christian-based nation, if you will. They're obviously going to pull back on some things like violence and sexuality, but slowly but surely you were seeing more and more of that kind of eke in. And with cartoons, they can kind of push the envelope a little bit more just because it is cartoonish. It's, you know, wild colors and, and fantastical. And, yeah, we might see an explosion, but we'll always see the characters come out unscathed and they're fine. You know, never any death like you would see in a Japanese animation where they tend to get pretty pretty gruesome you know what nick you've you've made or you've suggested an interesting point there you know do you think there's a correlation between you know in terms of america do you think there's a a correlation between godlessness in your country and the amount of exploding helicopters i would be really interested to see especially if they have like these big waves like you know if atheism was on the rise (laughs) did we see an increase in exploding helicopters you know it is probably, you know, the increase in exploding helicopters is probably a, you know, a sign of the end of days. Yeah, like, you know, when Jimmy Swaggart came out with his whole thing and he was saying, yeah, I was with a prostitute. <laughs> did we get an uptick in exploding helicopters? That's uh, that, a deep cut. I bet you did not expect to hear the name Jimmy Swaggart on a <laughs> podcast about the Lego movie. <laughs> Well, you know, it's, uh, you know, we, t- we touch a lot of bases on this podcast, so we sure you know, we're, we're free to go in whatever direction suits us. So, you know, let's 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 talk about these cable TV evangelists. Absolutely. Let's let's talk about Benny Hinn. Let's talk about uh, what's her name. She's got like a beehive haircut, ruby red lipstick. I can't think of her name, but let's talk about her as well. Well, you sound enthusiastic to talk about it, Nick, but you know what? I, I suspect our listeners, you know, we've already they're already indulging us by listening to us talk about uh, talk about <laughs> these films and to talk about exploding helicopters. So I, I think, you know, as much as I love a digression, we probably better steer clear of that one. So, Understood. Uh, you know, we can maybe we'll maybe we'll do a spin-off podcast, uh, you know, something to do with uh, religion and exploding helicopters or, you know. You know what, Nick? I think that's unlikely to happen. So I, you know, I, I don't want to get your hopes up. I don't want to get. I understand. I, I, I raise them up. I'm dashing them down now. Just, you know, short term. What pain, a roller coaster. Short term. What a yeah. roller coaster. 
<laughs> short term pain for long term gain. Look, I'm doing you a favour, man, by just let's just cut that off now. Understood. Okay, well, I, I think we are rapidly losing the thread on this podcast, so I think that is a sign to wrap things up on this episode of the Exploding Helicopter Podcast. Nick, many thanks for uh, joining me once again. Do you want to do you want to capitalise on the excitement you've generated in our audience and pimp out your stuff? Absolutely, I do. You can find myself as well as the rest of the French Toast Sunday at FrenchToastSunday.com. Podcast episodes show up when they show up. You can find them wherever you get your podcast. Uh, recently, I was a guest on the Mad Bad Downright Strange Showcase hosted by Elwood Jones. Check out that episode. We talked about Video Drone, where I thought I've seen it before. Turns out I've never seen it before, <laughs> and it led for a very interesting conversation. As always, don't forget to check out the Exploding Helicopter website. And if you're still trying to fill that God-shaped hole in your life, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, other places. We'll be back soon. But until then, keep watching the skies for those exploding helicopters. This podcast is a proud member of the Lamb Podcasting Network. Find the network at largeassmovieblogs.com. Yeah, but according to your precious instructions, this ship needs a hyperdrive. We don't have that part. Maybe we could find one. What do you think? A spaceship is just going to appear out of the blue. Are you kidding me? The same bit. Chewie! Mm. We're supposed to be halfway to Naboo for a sweet party right now. This hyperdrive keeps malfunctioning, taking us to loser systems like this. Captain Solo, we must go. You know how perturbed I get if we are not punctual. The droid's right. Let's roll. Now hold on, hey? This might be the right galaxy after all, because I see a heavenly body. Oh, whoa, I have a boyfriend, and it is super serious, right, babe? Of course it's serious. Yeah. Got room for just one dude? Whoa, babe. If he's a cool dude like you. You're trying to bail on us. I'm not trying to bail. You asked them if you could go with them on their party ship. That thing is filled with bon vivants. You speak French now? Babe, look, if this relationship is ever going to work between us, I need to feel free to party with a bunch of strangers whenever I feel like it. What? I will text you. Where'd you get that sweet space cape, brother? Party time! Babe?